I started sharing so much with my coach. I think that I remember my dad was like, why don't you share that with me? Mm. And I was like, because I don't feel we can resonate on that level. And, and we tried, but we, it never worked out. So, but he was understanding and that I also have to have, you know, people that are close to me and then influence me on different levels. And that's what I feel like helped me a lot to develop. Hello and welcome back to On Purpose. This is the place where I speak to people searching for, creating and living their purpose. If you believe in what I'm doing, please subscribe, rate and review this show. It would mean so much to me. This episode is with the best tennis player in the world, Novak Djokovic. Novak and I actually connected over Instagram. I noticed he'd been following my work, watching my videos, and so I sent him a DM and we had an instant connection. Last December in 2018, I got to spend time with him and his amazing wife in Monaco where they live. And this is where we recorded this interview. His background is incredible and shows how anyone has the opportunity to become a change maker. We go beyond tennis. We go beyond the athlete deep into his upbringing and psychology. The human Novak Djokovic is even more impressive than the athlete, and I'm so grateful to call him a friend, and I can't wait for you to learn about his mindset and the mission that he's on. Welcome to the show, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thank you so much for coming back for this very, very special episode. I'm genuinely so honored and grateful to introduce our next guest. Not only is he the number one tennis player in the world, he has 14 Grand Slam titles, including four Wimbledons, but on top of all of that, he's extremely spiritual, an incredible healer, transformer, and someone who's doing so much great work in the world. I've had the pleasure of getting to know him over Instagram and WhatsApp, and today I get to sit down with him for the first time, but he's definitely someone who's attracted me here to Monaco through his energy and through his incredibly humble and graceful spirit. So Novak, it is an absolute pleasure being with you, my friend. Oh, my friend. And I, and I feel <laughs> your energy you. over WhatsApp oh and Instagram. God. I feel it in front of you right yeah. now. And I really believe that we've just been pulled together. So, so good. I mean, thank you so much for, for coming to, to see me here. Uh, I'm, I'm really honored. And it's, as you said, social media was the platform through which we established the first connection. But um, I feel like Watching you uh, and and what you do and and sharing your message, I felt connected you with you instantly, and your message deeply resonates with me, with people that are close to me, and uh, it's it's a dream come true to be with you here today. No, you're the sweetest man, and and I genuinely feel that when you have a good and anyone who's listening. I highly recommend this. If you have a good online connection with someone, take it offline as quick as you can. Yes. Like turn it into face-to-face. And that's what I saw that we were connecting so beautifully. I remember one of the first things you said to me was higher forces are connecting us. Like higher forces are between us getting connected. And when you said that to me, I just felt, I have to meet you. There's no need to keep this relationship online. There's no need to just have it here if this is someone who truly believes there's a deeper connection here, let's let's get together, let's see each other. So I'm so grateful that you opened up this opportunity for me to visit you. Thank you very much. And I'm I'm really grateful that and, and genuinely, you know, honored that you you guys came all the way from LA. You know, it's it's a long trip. And I think we 
you know, we all share a common kind of vision and compassion for the world. And we, I think we all interact, you know, with the world in a very similar ways, even though we, you know, I'm an athlete, but I, I don't like to categorize or label myself as an athlete, you know, as society likes. I think we, we expand much more than that. Social media and internet is great if you use it in the right way. So I, th I feel like it's a, it's a great platform. As it got us connected and we're here today. Uh, and, and not a while ago, I've, I've sent you a message on Instagram because I'm, I'm your fan. I follow, of course, I follow your message and I follow your energy and everything that you've been spreading and, and sharing with people. So uh, I'm just happy to, to, to get deep and talk about, uh, you know, things that I usually <laughs> don't get asked on the tennis tournaments. So it's, it's really exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I love about you. And that's what I'm excited for everyone who's listening and watching is that you are an athlete. But what I was saying to you earlier is you are so much more and you have so much more to give. You've worked so hard on the court. But what I love about you is that you're also an inner athlete. Like you're doing this inner work and, and you've really focused on growing yourself, healing yourself, working on yourself. So let's dive into all of that sure. today. Make this the interview where you <laughs> make this the interview where you get to talk about everything that's important to you. And, and that's why this podcast actually started. I was speaking at an event last year and Tom Brady was speaking before me and he was interviewed by a sports journalist. And the conference was actually about building meaningful lives. So I was asked to speak about that topic. Tom was speaking before. And the interviewer asked him a question and Tom started speaking about his family. He started talking about being a father. He started talking about all these beautiful values and responsibilities and, and how he's growing now that his sports career is, is coming to a, you know, a natural end, etc. And the sports journalist just said to him, they said, Tom, leave all this soft stuff. Let's talk about the sports. And, and I felt so bad for him because I just felt like he was really trying to open up his heart. And the sports journalist was almost just squashing all of that and saying, let's just talk about your rings. Like, let's talk about the medals. And so I wanted to build a platform where people like yourself and people from music, media, movies, film, everyone can actually come and talk about your deeper sides and, and your real heart. So I want you to feel really comfortable to be able to do that today. I am very yeah. much in yeah. your <laughs> definitely one of the very few people that I'm following that I can share this message with. And I, and I, I truly mean that because... And, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way for the society. I'm not judging. I don't like the judgment. I like the, you know, the, the word hatred or anything like that. I, I'm, you know, I, I respect everyone. And, and we, I respect also this kind of uh, moment in time that we as people are. In, yes. You know, and our society is where it is with a reason. And we just have to go through that stage of development, I think, and, and evolution. And it took me time to really... I feel like come to that understanding in a way uh, because I was also for many years through my character building process and spiritual development and kind of opening my mind to different dimensions and horizons of self-awareness and self-care. I was just feeling a lot of times uh, lonely, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I just felt like what I was doing was not understood, especially in my world, and not just understood, but it was not accepted, which was even worse because then, you know, you're labeled as a kind of like a, a black sheep, you know, in the herd. And, and, but I still wanted to play tennis and still stay in that sport, in that, you know, field of life, uh, which I have, and I'm not, you know, regretting. In contrary, I'm so blessed 
to do what I love. I've started playing tennis when I was four years old and my family did not have any tennis tradition. So it was literally a, a sign of a destiny. Um, three tennis courts in front of my parents' restaurant in a small mountain place in Serbia called Koponik. My father was a, was a professional skier. He was a skiing instructor. That's how he met my mom on the skiing slope. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a funny story. You know, she kind of like... Tell us, tell she, us. You know, she, she, she was skiing and then she fell and then he was there and he's like, oh, you, know, you need help. I he didn't I, trip her I up. think I can help you. <laughs> and he probably organized the whole thing, you know, but, uh, but you know, that's how they met. And, you know, six months later they got, they got married and I was already, my mom was pregnant with me and... And then a year later, they opened a restaurant in the very mountain where they met. And the restaurant was the business that generated, you know, the budget for our family. So we spent a lot of time there because we lived uh, three hours by car away in the capital city of Serbia, Belgrade, where I, I went to school. And my two younger brothers, I have two younger brothers. Their names are Marco and Georgi. They're One is four years old, uh, younger than me and the other one is eight years younger than me. They both play tennis. But they uh, they stopped and they went <clears throat> different ways. Marco is my middle brother. He lives in Spain and he still stayed in tennis because he just you know cares about it a lot. And he's he's working as a tennis coach with with young children and you know spreading love through that sport. And uh, George is doing studies and doing his own setting up his own business. And he's 23 and I have to kind of pinch myself. You know, every time I see what he has done in the last two years by himself. And this is like, we, we talked about, you know, my children and, and the Indigo children, and that kind of like a new wave of, of energy and consciousness and awareness that we're receiving from above through children that already have what we don't have. And that's what I see in my brother, you know, and, and he's been born with this capacity and ability to just multitask and <laughs> deal with things so successfully and still be happy. And it's, it's quite amazing. So, you know, going back to my story is when you're a professional athlete, you know, it's all about winning or losing, right? I don't see losing or failure as such. I see it as another great lesson that awaits for me to learn from. Did you always have that, even when you were no, young? No, no. I just, as I said, I went through my evolution and I was fortunate really that when I started playing tennis, I uh, ran into and came across some really, really knowledgeable people about tennis and about life. In particular, one uh, woman, and her name is Jelena Gencic. Uh, she's not with us anymore. She passed away in 2012. She was my tennis mother. And so my parents, you know, invested a lot of energy and efforts. And in those times during 90s, when I was growing up, uh, we had uh, two wars. We had, unfortunately, war that broke down the whole Yugoslavian region because it was a big Yugoslavian country, very strong, uh, made of, you know, six different states. I mean, countries that are right now independent. I'm coming from one of them, which is Serbia. And then during 90s, from like 91, 92, all the way till 2000, we had embargo. So people waiting in line for bread and milk and like absolutely and most, you know, necessary things. And then 99, we had... In Serbia, we had bombings for two and a half months, every single day and night. I was there, my family was there every single day. We woke up every night for two and a half months because of the alarm and because of the planes flying over us. And it was it was devastating. It was frightening. It was, uh, 
worst thing that definitely we, you know, we ever experienced, you know, seeing planes over your head and just dropping bombs and, you know, hospitals and, and everything. It was just uh, terrible, terrible. Many innocent people died. Thankfully, I, I didn't lose personally anyone that is very close to me. But I know people that lost, you know, their loved ones. And uh, that's a scar that stays with you forever. So th this memory stays and will stay with me forever. But at the beginning, I felt like probably most of the people in my country, I felt I want revenge. You know, I felt like, who are these guys to <laughs> bomb innocent people? What the hell is going on? I was 12 years old and I remember I was there day and night and I, I celebrated my 12th birthday during the day because we didn't go to schools, obviously. And it was just hiding in shelters and everything. And then we just, after a week or two hiding in shelters, we just said, okay, we're just gonna, you know, go about our life and that's it. You know, we don't, we're not gonna care what happens. If we're hit, we're hit, you know, what we can do. I mean, and so I remember on my 12th birthday, uh, kids were singing, <clears throat> my friends <clears throat> at the tennis club because we spent a lot of, a lot of uh, times playing tennis. We, we didn't go to school, so for us it was great. <laughs> and uh, they were singing the happy birthday song and there was a plane flying. And I have this image of my plane and just kind of dropping bombs everywhere. And it was, <clears throat> was terrible. But at the same time, I felt like as I was kind of growing, you know, inside out as well, I felt, and I think my parents helped me a lot with that, is that they, you know, we can't judge the whole nation or everyone for the actions of certain individuals or certain groups or institutions or whatever that decided to bomb our country and just kill innocent people. We can't judge everyone for that, you know? And, and that's, that's when I kind of like shifted and I just, I right, you know, this moment absolutely forgiven everyone and everything that have done that, but you cannot forget that. You know, you cannot forget that it stays, as I said, as a scar, but it has on a brighter side brought a lot of value to my life and a lot of appreciation for the value. Mm. I felt like this experience, I'm so grateful for this experience. I truly am because it has helped me to, sh to shape me into the person that I am today, the player, tennis player that I am. It has made me hungrier for the success in tennis, made me hungrier to work train, build myself so I can show to the world that a kid from, you know, war-torn country can actually be the best in, in a sport that is very global. And so that's what happened. But all of these experiences have definitely been there for a reason. And I, I, I don't regret anything. I don't pity anything. I just feel like, okay, you know, that's my karma. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that I had to go through and I had to live that and if we manage to get through that as not just as a family but as people as a nation you know there's not much that can break you down so and historically serbian people and people in the region have have had a lot of hard wars and hardships and and they've been through that so it's, it was really nice to see the the unity with people and i remember one of the i was actually talking the other day with with my brother and my wife about still reflecting on that on that period and what was the strongest image that stayed with us from this bombings of two and a half months in 99. And one of them for me was obviously the one that I explained to you with, with the birthday and shelters. But there was one where I remember thousands of people gathering on the bridge, one of the most important bridges in, in our city. 
uh, with shirts that have targets there and everyone painted their heads in the shape of a target and singing songs and, you know, kind of just wow. enjoying having fun and in a way showing to the world and to whoever is kind of dropping bombs that we are the target. So we are protecting this bridge. We are protecting this, this city. You know, if you want to crash it, you have to go through us. And, and it was, I think more than that, it was just that power of unity, you know, that, that energy and that strength that they just showed, the resilience in, in those moments of, of hardship. That's incredible, man. Mm. That's that's such a. I've I've heard you tell that story. I've sidetracked from your question. No, 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 and I'm glad. No, and I've no, no. I'm glad you did because I've heard that story before. I'm glad that everyone who hasn't heard that story before has an opportunity now. And and the reason why it's so beautiful is because probably like most of the planet does not experience that. That's pretty extreme. Yes. Right. And so for someone like you to come from that extreme, and especially what you said, your initial response was revenge. For you to be able to transform that revenge into resilience. That's incredible because it would have been so much easier to just have that pain and have that unforgiveness. And so it's... There was a great story that um, I've read. I'm sure it's quite popular on the social media. Everyone is sharing it. It was about the snake and the, and the saw. Okay. I don't know no. if you've came across Tell it. Tell me. And, it's, you know, the snake, <clears throat> it's, a kind of, it's a true story, actually. The snake came into the you know, carpenter's uh, shop and it, as, as it was kind of going and it, it got caught by the saw and the saw kind of cut it and the snake didn't realize what was happening. So it went to bite the saw and it hurt itself even more. So the snake didn't know what was happening. So it started going around the, uh, the saw in order to you know, suffocate it, thinking that saw is attacking it. So it was, you know, protecting itself and finally snake died. And this kind of translates into life. And it's so many times that we get angry or upset, you know, with some people thinking that we want to hurt them because we feel hurt, but it finally we're hurting ourselves. And it was, it was such a deep message that I kind of resonated with really. And I think that kind of sums up my evolution in a way and my growth mentally of how, you know, I should deal with these particular circumstances and in events that have been quite significant in my life. And, you know, the wars and, and those times of hardships were definitely one of the most significant uh, times of, of my life and my career where, where I experienced uh, what it feels like to literally have $10 in, in, at home in the apartment with my father and my mother with three children to feed and uh, having to wait in the line to get a piece of bread for hours and, and not being able to travel around the world to play tennis. Uh, and tennis is, is an expensive sport. Absolutely. Um, you know, you need money to pay for the racket, for the tennis balls, for the coach, for the court. So all of these things, you know, and I think in the end of the day, as I said, it brings light and value to my life because I think going through all of that has made me stronger, but at the same time made me more grateful because I understand the both extremes, so to say, because today I really, I enjoy so much of uh, success in this, you know, society and the sport and I can afford many things and I'm really, really grateful for that and blessed. 
but I've been on the on the opposite side. So I think that that storyline is really something that enriches me. Absolutely, man. Mm. And your your life story is such a beautiful message to the mm. world. It's a great message to the world. Like it's 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 incredible. And I'm glad that I see when from the way I view it, you you live it like a message too. It's not about you. That's that's why I feel when I'm with you that it's not about you. It's not like I did this. It's it's actually a story and a message to the world that you know any child, any person who is in such abject conditions can actually transform their lives. Thank you, yeah. thank you. And I, I just feel like the, the message I can share from my experience, and I don't want ever for people to feel that I'm preaching or anything like that. I just feel like my experience has helped me to reach you know, certain success, if you want to call it, you know, yeah. in, in both professional and private way, uh, is, is that there is always time for everything. And, you know, I'm learning myself even today how to be patient, how to coordinate certain things in my life, how to create space for the biggest quality time that I can have with my priorities, which are my family, which is my growth. And it's, and it's a constant juggle. I truly believe in balance, but I don't believe that we can ever reach a stage and or point where we can say, I'm in balance. I agree. You, you can be in balance, <laughs> but the next moment you're not in balance because that's life and everything Absolutely. is moving yeah. and it's happening. So, so that's, that's why I feel like, and in, through tennis, I, I've learned my you know, biggest and hardest lessons in life and I've experienced those, those emotions. And for me, you know, tennis court is still <clears throat> a field where I have a chance to grow, really. When I'm not on the tennis court, I find it much easier to accomplish certain things that that I want to on a daily basis. But then tennis court I use as exactly that platform that challenges me and challenges my ego. So I still have, for example, outbursts on the court. I break a racket. I scream. I, I, I curse. I know you don't curse at all. And I, I admire that. Amazing that you, you took that vow. You got to teach me how to do that. And uh, when that happens, instantly I feel like, oh, my God, why? What, what did I do? You know, and I have two children. I have, you know, many children around the world are watching and, and you know, seeing what you're doing. And imitating you in a way, so you're sending that kind of message. So I try always to have that in the back of my mind, and, and you know, subconsciously, like, okay, try to do you know what you do best, but do it with dignity, do it with style, do it with always having inner voice telling you mm-hmm. there's you know thousands you know of of children around the world watching you play right now and absorbing like a sponge every move, everything you say, everything you do. But it's I still do it. I still go through these outbursts. I felt disappointed with myself for a while because of that. I really felt like I was betraying myself. I was not managing to to do what I intended to do. And then I learned about surrender. And then I learned about there is a time for everything in life. There is um, a reason why we have to take every step of the way in order to reach the top of in whatever way you, you, you feel that top is for you. And then I understood that you know, I have to accept, I have to embrace, I have to channel it and understand that I still have to work and I have to work all the way to the last day that I breathe. And, and I'm happy with that. I really feel like I, I managed to take that positive leap in that direction. You've touched on it a few times then. I want to dive into it deeply. You mentioned success, reaching the top. The world sees your success. The world sees your achievements. 
But in Novak Djokovic's eyes, in your own eyes, what's been your greatest success, your greatest achievement so far hmm. in good, your perspective? It's a good question. My greatest achievement is my open mind. I feel that with an open mind, mindness uh, type of you know, perspective and approach to life, you help all the natural processes in yourself to flourish and to excel and you're embracing the natural flow of life where you have to evolve and you have to develop and you have to learn. And I just, I, if I have to define it that kind of shortly, I would say it's just open mind because I feel the ignorance and the close mindness and certain convictions that people have are so strong that you know, you, you go through throughout your whole lifetime without really allowing yourself to open up to the world and learn about all these different cultures and things that can enrich your life and make you feel more fulfilled and live a more fulfilled life, be more joyful, have that inner peace and emotional balance and stability that we all strive to. And, and I just feel with an open mind, you're just helping yourself and you're able to receive kind of filter and then, you know, give at the same time because, you know, the Taurus field, everything has to flow. So that's how it flows. But if you don't have an open mind, then obviously you're, everything closes up, whether it's health, whether it's, you know, profession, whatever it is in your life, it just kind of feels, and I was there. I, I, I was there. I don't want people to think that I, I, I know it all or whatever. I just feel... You know, also that I'm sharing the experiences from my process because I was there, as I said, I, I felt, you know, resentment. I felt, uh, you know, feeling of revenge, I felt hatred. I did, I felt all of that. We all, you know, go through that. We are all human beings. We, you know, kind of, you know, experience those kind of emotions. But I feel with training and repetition and discipline that obviously sport has taught me so well, uh, you can really reach anything that you truly want and desire in your life. And where did that open-mindedness start? Like, where did you start to notice that the closed mind was limiting you and the open mind was expanding you? I I think very early, to be honest, ever since I kind of wished to play tennis when I was four or five years old, and tennis was never a sport in our family, I think, you know, I kind of help also my parents to expand outside of their, in a way, comfort zone and go into the sport or field of life that is completely unknown to them in a way. Mm. And I think that I started playing tennis when I was four and a half, I think five years old. And before that, I was uh, I was skiing a lot. And I remember even before I started to run, I was already with my dad skiing. He was carrying me and going down the slopes. And, and so the first sport for me was skiing. Right. And until I was, I think, nine years old, I didn't really know whether I want to ski or, or play tennis. Mm-hmm. I was football, was soccer a little bit there, but it was mostly about skiing or tennis. And then fortunately, I mean, we've been through all this and my father, my father asked me, I remember that day when he sat me down uh, with my mom and he said, I am ready to support anything that you desire to do in your life. And I'm here for you, but you have to tell me if it's sport, okay, and what sport. 
and I said, okay, give me one thing I needed to, you know, and, and <laughs> big decision. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then, you and been then the best I was thinking, and then I said, like, <clears throat> it didn't take me a long time. I thought, I said, maybe just a little time to think, but then after half an hour, I went to him and I said, it's tennis, right? And he said, okay, tennis it is. And then I think us kind of getting into this uncomfortable, unknown zone or area or field of life has allowed us to, to kind of expand all of us. Um, and, and also um, having certain mentors and people that have greatly positively affected me on many levels. My, I've mentioned my tennis mother, as I like to call her. I've met her when I was, I think, five, six years old. And then I started training with her tennis camp, summer tennis camp that was coming from Belgrade from capital city to Koponik, this place in, in the mountains. And then when I was, I think, six, seven, I also started having some private lessons with her in Belgrade while I was you know, going to school. And she was happy to, to, uh, to play with me because she felt like I was very talented. Mm -hmm. And then she told, she told my parents, she said, uh, I really feel like you should try to give your best to support this child to play tennis because I've never seen a bigger talent from than him from Monica Sellers, who was, uh, you know, obviously the best tennis player in the world and one of the best female tennis players of all times. And she was her coach as well. And because Monica was born in Serbia and then she went to, to live in States where she is today. And of course, my, my parents were like, well, if if such a experienced and knowledgeable person about the tennis says that, then, you know, we should try to support our child. So that's what happened. I remember I was watching, you know, tennis practices and sessions on the fence. I was climbing. I was really, really in love with the sport. I was very passionate about it. And she taught me about holistic approach to life, I think. Wow. Already back then when I was seven, eight, she really taught me how to, you know, think about the grades in the school, the music that I listened to, the mindfulness that I have, the observation, the focus, the kindness, the relationship with people. She was working in in a team with my parents. And my mm -hmm. parents, you know, I'm really grateful for my parents because they recognized the role of a mentor very early. early on, so yeah. they, they kind of teamed up with her. And then, you know, I was learning a lot from my parents, obviously, and continue to learn and from, from my tennis mother. So that has helped me to, I feel like, be open-minded and understand. But I obviously went through my phases and, you know, through through the process of, of learning and those dealing with those emotions. Although I felt when I started traveling by myself, because I was traveling by my father until I was, I think, 16 and then six, 17, I started having my coach. And, and you know, I didn't get too deep in the conversations with my dad and with my mom. And I felt there are some subjects and that I want to talk about. And in, especially in, you know, puberty and teenage years, you know, you're, you're experiencing so many changes. And, and I was so much in tennis that I didn't really have time for, for other maybe school activities that mm -hmm. the, the, my fellow friends and, you know, students were going through because uh, I was so much in tennis. And and then I, I started sharing so much with my coach. <laughs> I think that I remember my dad was like, why don't you share that with me? Mm. And I was like, because I don't feel, first of all, I've never shared that, that those particular subjects and 
types of conversations with you. Evan. I don't I don't feel we can resonate on that level. And and we tried, but we it never worked out. So, but he was understanding, and that I also have to have you know people that are close to me and then influence me on different levels. And that's what I feel like helped me a lot to develop. Wow. And one of the things I noticed about you is also, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I feel like it's tough to get to the top, but it seems to be even tougher to get to the top, have a slump or have a moment of challenge and then try and get back because you've experienced something. Mm. And it's like, I know that you've even credited your wife with her dedication to self-care and your work and what she's trained you or, yes. or shared with you in journaling. Tell us a bit, about, a bit about the process that you've taken to be at the top, have challenges and then still come back because everyone's been quoting, obviously you having the impossible comeback and, mm. but, but you made it possible. What was happening mentally, spiritually for you, not just physically, but what was happening mentally and spiritually for you? Well, first of all, to reflect on the impossible word, in, in the word you have, I am possible, right? Absolutely. So I, I truly, I don't believe in something is impossible. I really believe really everything is possible as we talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. My wife has <clears throat> been, you know, my girlfriend for a long time, ever since I was 18. She was wow. 19. That's, that's when we <laughs> started dating and she used to play tennis and that's how we met. And we've known each other four or five years before we started dating. Um, you know, through tennis. And then she went to study in Italy, in Milan. And I came at more or less the same time here in Monaco um, to, to follow my, my coach at the time. And I started using Monaco as a base. And uh, she came over, Mon- Milan is close to Monaco, so she came over and that's how it all started. And when she finished studies, she was obviously, you know, thinking she had a lot of opportunities for her own career, but she sacrificed that in order to live my career, live my dream in order to save the relationship in a way. So I'm very grateful for her and what she has, you know, um, done for our relationship and for me. And I learn, I keep on, continue to learn from her so much. She introduced me to yoga, actually. (laughs) Back in uh, in the days when she was uh, studying, she is a a huge reader. She likes to read everything and anything. And she likes to write as well. And she was being on, big on journaling all the time. And I remember when I was quite young from my tennis mother and from my parents, I learned how to uh, kind of write and, and have specific things that I want to share on the paper. I did it, you know, kind of like what I'm grateful for and things like that, which was nice. But then I lost that. I didn't do it for many years. And then she reminded me of that. So I, I, I started doing it again. And it felt great because I felt like I could release a lot of things that were tensing me up. Through journaling. Through through journaling, exactly. But also through yoga. You know, she learned about it because she was so stressed during her studies. And she spent a whole day obviously studying with books and, you know, student life isn't easy. So she was looking into ways how she can relax herself, get more energy. And, you know, she she was not drinking coffee or any of these things. So she came into yoga and she was sharing it with me. So I started doing it with her. You know, the whole, the, the breathing, the pranayama, the, <laughs> the, you know, the, the sun salutations. And ever since then, we've been doing obviously some form of yoga on a daily basis. And, and you know, she's been a very, very significant integral part of, of my life and my, my evolution. And what I'm really grateful for is that not only that we, you know, truly love each other and we are very transparent and honest 
but also that we have help from the universe to actually be in a very similar states of consciousness in certain phases of our lives so we can help each other learn better and grow faster in certain areas with, that we choose that are part of those particular periods. So I think she would agree that when we became parents four years ago, that has completely shifted our world you know, upside down. Up to that moment, we were also spiritual, but still quite basic comparing to what has happened after that. <laughs> and we truly believe that our kids are our masters and our teachers, and then they come to this life to bring lessons for us and bring help for us to understand a lot of things about ourselves on a deeper levels and what we have to work on, which is quite contrary to what, in a way, yeah. society thinks. We, which think is we, like, we, them, we are yeah. teaching them, which we are, of course. But, you know, actually, I've been, I've been talking with her a lot about that. And now we have a, a baby girl that is one year old. And I was mentioning she's a healer. She really is. And she brings that kind of energy to this world. And she has, yeah, I mean, skyrocketed our attention for the moments, for, you know, the consciousness, the awareness about everything. I mean, even more. And we're like, oh my God, you know, there's another level, there's another level. So we help each other grow. I'm really grateful that I can share with her literally everything mm -hmm. and anything that I'm interested in, that I'm going through. And she she has been always the shoulder to, to lean on and she has always been there. Tough moments for me in my career when I was, you know, going through an injury recently and uh, had to take six months break yeah, from the tennis. And, and then when I came back, I was like questioning whether I should keep on playing on that level or not. And I was just going through, going through hard work inside. And, and then she was there and she helped me to overcome all of that. Uh, of course, alongside with help of some life spiritual teachers that I have that I can yeah, tell speak us about, about yeah, yeah, tell a us little bit. Well, there are two guys in particular, um, Jose Pepe Imaz and, and Jarko Ilic. Jose Pepe is from Spain and Jarko is from Serbia. And they, I consider them really as, as uh, my spiritual and life teachers, my masters, that I've uh, learned a lot from. And back in, I think, 2010 or 11, I've met Jarko, uh, so about seven, eight years ago. And uh, I met him through my wife, actually, because my wife... I had a friend that, that knew him, and, and that's how we got into it. He's a, he's a Reiki healer, but he's much more than that. And he helped a lot, both my wife and I, to, again, open our mind even more, to understand how we can have internal conversations with ourselves. Because mm. I, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to verbalize my emotions. And it's where my wife was ahead of me. And that's where we struggled in our relationship because she was trying to dig things out from me and make me share more. But I wasn't able to do that because I didn't know how. She's yeah. like, speak to me. What do you feel? I'm like, I don't know. I feel something. But yeah. I, I just don't. And so I think Jacques was, <clears throat> was very helpful in that. Mm -hmm. And Sounds and like everyone needs that. Everyone, yeah. I mean, everyone needs that, of course. But I think... There's this great saying, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will come, right? So I felt that, that the first initial step I needed to do, I needed to decide in my mind internally that, okay, this is exactly what I need for my heart, for my soul, for my growth, 
this is the priority. I have to learn how to manage myself, my emotions, how to, not just to be a better tennis player, but to be a better human being. So then the teacher appeared, obviously. And then after that, obviously, I started to expand my, my awareness and, 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 you know, observation of the world. And then I run into Pepe, who is <clears throat> very close person and, and also a spiritual life teacher to my brother, Marco. Mm. And they live in the same place. Actually, Marco, my brother, went to live in Spain because of Pepe. Yeah. And Pepe's whole philosophy of life is uh, love and peace. Mm-hmm. And he brought that kind of energy into our lives, the perspe- perception of love and peace, what it really means. And at the beginning, I was actually not really supportive, I must say, of my brother because he started doing that before me. He started going through this whole process of learning with, with Pepe. And uh, he moved to Spain so he can be closer to him because he felt, you know, deep inside that that's something that is very important that he has to address. And I, I just, I didn't get it at that time. I, I thought, well, you know, you have to, you know, because he was playing professional tennis. I was like, you can't really... You know, just love and peace, you know, you have to kind of like go back and train and yeah. this, have this Work mindset. Hard. If you're love and peace on the court, the other guy will beat you. And this is what it comes down to in sports. And he was like, listen, I, I, he's like, I understand, but I, trust me, I have to go through this. And I just feel that this is my growth. I, did, I didn't understand it at the time. And then I, but I was attracted to Pepe because I, I felt that his energy was amazing and he you can never get upset with him. You know, you speak to him, he's, he's like you, you know, you, you, he always smiles and everything, you know, even when we had tough conversations, he always smiles and sends, because he always prays inside and sends you love. Yeah. And for that, he had to work and still continues to work, I mean, immensely. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand what he kept on emphasizing inner work, inner growth, inner work, inner growth, universal love. I really didn't really get it. You know, mm. and then, and then, then obviously uh, this whole energy attracted my wife and I, and and we connected with Pepe and with my brother and on different levels, and and today, you know, obviously we understand what he truly means because we embraced that work, yes, and we have to do it daily, yes. And I just wanted to shortly reflect on on that inner work That's for good. the purpose or goal. My goal for the inner work up to not a while ago was tennis. The feeling inside, you can call it ego, whatever, has drawn me to that sensation of, I need to do this because that will help me play better tennis. Mm. But it didn't resonate something. I I was living a successful life, but not fulfilled life, if you know what I mean. And and there was something wrong with that. I, I just felt, I, I felt the ounces of that truth and the essence and what it really means to do that on a daily basis for yourself and your growth as a human being and not just as a tennis player or a doctor or whatever. But I, it, wasn't, it was weaker comparing to the other side, which was since I was seven, dreamed of being number one of the world. That's my ambition. That's my lifetime goal. I have to fulfill it. When I fulfilled it in 2011, I kept on going. I just, I want to be more Grand Slam, I have more, more Grand Slam trophies. I want to be number one for as long as I can. It just kept going. And I believe that from my experience, you need goals and objectives, you know, and, but you need to balance that with, you know, 
what is truly the most important work, which is the inner work. Yes. I didn't get it up to, to, up to not a while ago, to be honest. And, and that's when I, I start to get it. And that's when I start to understand the message from Pepe. Wow. He was, whatever you do, you do it with excitement, with joy, with passion. But at the same time, never forget about what you have to do before, during, and after that, which is a much, much bigger work and longer work. And, and now, now I do truly understand that. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening and they're like, Novak, I'm like you, I don't get it yet. Yeah. You know, because so many people today, I feel like spirituality, energy, all of these words are flying around yeah. the internet. People are talking about it, but there's so many people that don't get it. Explain to us in your own way, yeah. in the way you see it, what is inner work and what inner work you do, what you were saying that before, that during, that after, that has helped you, not just in tennis, but well, in you, Well, you've talked so, and reflected so wonderfully on this in so many of your videos uh, about <clears throat> the habits, about the addictions that we have. The whole day passes by, and we, are not, we don't even remember a single moment in the day because we've just been distracted the whole time. So, you know, if we are learned and trained to be distracted, that's how, you know, our life is going to unfold. Mm. We are going to be distracted. But if we train ourselves to be present and more aware, then obviously we're shifting the attention of the subconscious and all the internal, external energies and nature and everything into that. In a simplified way, work on the habits, right? I mean, I have still some habits that need working on. You know, for example, the phone, right? That is so addictive. And you get into Instagram that I, by the way, love. I love Instagram. <laughs> it's great. Fantastic. It's how we connect. It's how we connect. Yeah, absolutely. But, but if you let it become your master, mm -hmm. then that's how it's going to be. And you're going to be distracted. You're going to feel lack of energy. Absolutely. You're going to have, feel lack of inner peace. You're going to feel upset. Uh, you know, you're going to have a short breath, you know, all these different things. And that reflects on relationships, that reflects on, you know, your performance at your work or whatever you're doing. And for me, try to think inside, okay, what am I doing right on the tennis court? How can I translate that and off the tennis court? Interesting. And the, the, on tennis court, what I'm doing right is complete 100% focus and presence of mind and body and everything. Discipline, working towards objective, organ organized, preparing myself. This is a big thing. I feel, you know, if you fail to prepare, you prepare yourself to fail, right? Absolutely. So preparation is a huge thing. I mean, at least in, in, in my world for tennis, it has helped me a lot because I, I don't want to put a number on it, but let's say 80% to 90% of your, the match that you want, for example, or any success that you before have. Before you step on the court. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How you do your homework. In, in my instance, you know, obviously working on all my strengths and weaknesses, preparing myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually for the match that is coming up. I have the whole uh, short-term and long-term plan. How can I get from, from here to there in the shortest time? Those type of things. And then, you know, obviously doing your homework on the guy, on the opponent that you're playing against, where you're going to play the stadium, the crowd, the weather. You know, it's, the, it's really a whole 
homework that you have to do in and order before you get yeah. in. And, and then you win a tennis match. And then it's not only about the tennis match, it's 80, 90% of the work that you do prior to that. So that's why I believe, you know, preparation is a big, big thing. Working on the habits, the science says that you need 20, what, two or three days that you, you can, you know, shift, uh, you know, from bad habit to a healthy habit. So we need persistency. We need discipline. You know, we need, we need repetition. And Bruce Lipton, that I also like to <clears throat> listen to a lot, he's talking about subconscious, right? And how subconscious is controlling probably 90, 95% of our everyday life. So if we can feed our subconscious with the information that is going to allow us to excel and to live the life that we want to, then that's what's going to happen because your subconscious doesn't know what's good for you or bad for you. It just knows what you tell it. Yes. And the seeds that you plant. So, so he was talking about, you know, there are two ways to kind of hack your subconscious, which is hypnosis, which happens from, you know, up until you're seven years old and, and then repetition. Mm. So that's why, I mean, my wife and I are very passionate for uh, the, the preschool education and early childhood development until you're six or seven years old, that's when the, the, it's most vast brain growth. And that's where, you know, the, the fundamentals and the foundation of your life is set. And, and that's where, you know, Bruce was talking about it really beautifully and, and it, it made sense. And then after you're seven, it's repetition. Mm -hmm. It's discipline. Okay, I'm switching off all my phones um, after a certain hour. I'm doing my praying work because I believe in the invisible world. Science proves, quantum science talks about it, where the most distance points are actually one in a split second. And we all have proven that. Mm. And so you just need to really believe it in order to achieve it. You know, the, uh, yeah. where your attention goes, the energy flows. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think it all starts with open mind, with a question. It's always so great to ask yourself questions. Who am I? <clears throat> Why I'm here? What I want to do? What I want to become? What I, you know, just all these questions, put it on the paper, write it down, go through it, you know, in your mind through that, whatever your method is, but you just have to address it. If you don't address it, you're going to go about the same things that you went about, and then you're going to get the same outcome that you don't desire. So I, I feel like that kind of awareness about that just helps, you know, Absolutely. helps learn. And, you know, I'm learning from you so much on a daily basis as well, because, you know, I obviously follow your work and, and there are so many great messages out there. And I feel like this is the time where we can expand our consciousness and get closer to what, who we are. Because, you know, the, the two most important and oldest probably questions on, on this planet ever since the existence of humans is, you know, who we are and why we are here. Absolutely. So I think also the truth seeking element and part is also quite important in that. I mean, I, I consider myself a truth seeker. I, I like to try to dig even deeper and deeper and deeper and understand who we are. You know, why are we here? Is this a planet? Is this a realm? What is it? You know, is this a matrix? Is it not? You know, I, yeah. I, I think it's it's important to ask, ask these questions and do your research and dig deep into that. Because I think it all comes down to, you know, whether you are your own master or not. Mm. So I think if you are your own master, then it allows you 
to take actions the way you want them rather than, you know, I, I love Jim Quick uh, yeah. that I also like very much. And he talks about the thermostat and thermometer. So don't be the thermostat, but be the thermometer. Set your the temperature, set you, you set the temperature of the room and you set it up the way you want it. And mm-hmm. thermostat, if you set it, then it's you reactive. have to adjust. So yeah. it's reactive. And I think it's such a such a great wisdom. Yeah, great advice, man. I loved what you were saying earlier. That's that's great advice. And I hope everyone's listening is is taking notes. But that what you said earlier I loved. You said that for a long time you believed ego is the enemy. Yes. And then now you've started to understand that actually the ego has to be befriended. Yes. And I thought that was a I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Sometimes I believe the ego is like a perfect mirror to yourself in the self that you don't want, but at least it starts teaching you. The ego can teach you so much if you're aware of it. So I want to hear your perception on how you've been switching between ego as the enemy to actually befriending the ego. Well, this is... Because you've got every reason so, to have a big ego. Yeah. Like you've got every reason, yes. and you're not. You're a very humble person, but you've got every reason... And to I do have it. And I do have yeah. it. And this is, the, this is the point. I didn't understand it at the time, and we talked about it a little bit in, as, as you reflected. I do have a big ego, but I have to embrace it and learn how to befriend it and deal with it in a ways that we're going to work and team up with my ego rather than I'm going to be an enemy of my ego because then, again... I'm reacting. Then ego can, you know, persuade you and do different things and mask certain things is so smart and witty. And then you have to react. And then you have to just kind of like try to handle and juggle with so many things instead of, hey, let's team up. You're inside of me. I'm you, you're me. Okay, let's figure this out. How can we work together? And you kind of have to please it. And at the same time, you have to control it. Uh, and I, even though I don't really like the word, con- word control, I still feel like if you create your controlled environment, it's going to be better off for you in your life. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I think that's a beautiful... Oh. Yeah, we, <laughs> this is the... Uh, what is it? We've got... Web. <laughs> this, okay. No, this is the, uh, yeah. the test. And this, by the way, this is the sound. For what? Exactly, for, yeah. that I was listening yeah, to in 99 for the bonus. Oh, wow. This oh, exact my God. Sound. Does that trigger it back? Yeah. Whoa. This exact sound. But what is it for now? It's, it's just a test. Oh, It's wow. a test, and this is like the, uh, they call it the um, aerial danger yeah, yeah, coming right, in, right? right. And I've it, only seen it on TV. <clears throat> yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And that, and that, wow. <laughs> The sound, the frequencies. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. sound That's is a, oh so my powerful. God. That's a, sound we need another so hour to talk about totally, that. I'm, yeah, I'm big yeah, into sacred yeah, geometry, same, sound, same, YouTube. Same, same, sure. same, yeah. yeah. When, when I lived as a monk, everything was sound designed. Mm. So the sound you wake up to, the sound you sleep to, sound was involved in everything because when you're, even if you're in a coma or you're about to die, the last active sense is the sound. Yeah. So even if you can't see your loved ones, you can hear them. So what I, what I finish off with every interview yeah. is called my final five. So the five, the fast five. So these are fast five questions yeah. that you have to answer. So the, the first question I was going to answer is, uh, what's the first thing that you do every morning? First thing that I do every morning is prayer. Beautiful. Uh, second question, what do you pray for? First, I express my gratitude for my body, for myself, for the uh, opportunity to continue my evolution as a multidimensional being in this realm. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for being able to have my senses and to have big bed 
and to have a most beautiful sunrise every morning. It's amazing. Third, how do you make sure that your energy is where you want it to be, spiritually, internally? Continuing to work on the things that we, we talked about. So aside of the physical work and tennis and duties as a, as a father and a husband, I need to get in daily something in my self-care work, whether it's only a, a meditation or it's a two-minute breathing, prayer, whatever it is. Sometimes it's only that because you don't have time. But, you know, it's important to just kind of keep doing it and be disciplined with it. What's the best advice you've ever received? Be open-minded. <laughs> I love that theme. That's the theme of this. Be open-minded. Yeah, it's just like a theme for sure. It's when you're open-minded, then you're ready to receive everything that we're surrounded with and it's such a beautiful world and we're so blessed that we live in this world and that we go through the process of evolution. And I think when you come close to the realization of who you are, I think, and you continue to seek for that truth, it brings you closer to the source from where you arrived yeah. and just makes you so present and makes you so calm and it makes you so joyful and grateful for yourself, for people around you, for everything that you have, that you do, that surrounds you, that fulfills you. And I feel that that's the essence of, of our life. Amazing. And the fifth question, fifth and final question is, if your racket was a magic wand and you could get the whole world to understand one thing, what would you want everyone to understand? That our consciousness expands infinitely. Beautiful. Straight to the point. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What do you want them to understand? Now I'm going to give you the opportunity. Oh my to gosh, we don't have enough time. <laughs> um, that, that our consciousness expands infinitely means, well, it, at least in my own perception, is that we are more than we think or feel with our five senses that we really are. And when you, I feel like when I came to this realization, it just opened the door to a whole different universe and dimension to me. And I feel that my evolution and my growth in every aspect of who I am and my every body has just quadrupled for light years ahead. I just feel, I feel calm at the same time, but so excited for everything that I, that life has to offer that I can learn. Thank you, Novak. We so have to do a part two. Please, into all please, of that. Guys, gonna have to don't make leave. It happen. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, man. I'm so thank grateful. You, my, my friend. Thank, thank you for your you. time oh, and energy. Really I know you've got so many things on. I so love nice you guys. Your amazing wife. I love you thank guys. Thank you so much, man. Infinite thank love to so them. So grateful. Thank you. Yeah, please feel free to go. I know you need to. No, rush. no, no. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. No, thank you. Thank you so much for listening through to the end of that episode. I'm sure you agree that Novak is absolutely incredible. I hope you're going to share this all across social media. Let people know that you're subscribed to On Purpose. Let me know. Post it. Tell me what a difference it's making in your life. I would love to see your thoughts. I can't wait for this incredibly conscious community we're creating of purposeful people. You're now a part of the tribe, a part of the squad. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to share the next episode with you.